This is one of the nicest things anyone has ever given me. Ah, good, good. Listen, take it off. You know, I, you're going to wear it out already. It's for special occasions, this thing. <laughs> What's that red dot on your sweater? Well, I don't want to be a secondary character. <laughs> Happy Festivus, everyone. Festivus for the rest of us. Yes, this is coming out a few days before Festivus, but uh, if you are listening to this on or after Festivus, happy Festivus to you, yes. and I hope you aired many grievances and uh, won your Feats of Strength competition. Yeah, I hope so. I hope you didn't get your ass kicked by your old dad or, you know, maternal figure in your life. Yeah, and I hope the uh, local council didn't uh, come and get you in trouble for stealing a light pole from the front and putting it in uh, <laughs> in your lounge room. Oh, which reminds me, I need you to uh, pay that fine <laughs> from last Festivus. Yes, we apologise to Melbourne City Councils across the board. <laughs> yes, that's right. Welcome to another episode of Bidwabask. My name is Ivan. And I'm Stephen. And this is our second ever Festivus special episode. So with these episodes, we take an episode from Seinfeld and uh, we actually grab one that's set in Christmas, I should say. Yeah. So uh, during we, Christmas time. Yeah, we don't do a lot of thought, or we don't give a lot of thought to picking episodes at any given time. We just sort of pick them randomly. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to Christmas, because there's so many good Christmas Seinfeld episodes, we uh, try and reserve them for this time of year. That's right. Last year we did the strike with Stacey, and uh, this time we're going to go... To, well, actually, we're staying in Season 3. Last week we went to Season 3. Uh, we are talking about The Red Dot. The Red Dot. Yeah. Actually, a very, very funny episode. Yeah, really I really liked, liked it. it. Yeah. yeah. George at its cheapest. Yes, at its cheapest. And his scummiest. <laughs> did you know that The Red Dot was there before you purchased it? <laughs> Elaine... What do you think? <laughs> I went out. I have no money. I have no money. Yeah. I haven't had a job for so long. Yeah, no, really good episode. He fooled you, you <laughs> stupid idiot. <laughs> she tricked you, you stupid idiot. <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us, you can email bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com. You can check us out on social media. We're on all sorts of platforms. Uh, you can suss those details in the show notes. We are on Patreon as well. So yeah. if you want to get uh, episodes a week early and uh, all of our bonus content. So up until uh, the last couple of weeks, we've done movie reviews and lists and all sorts of things. Mm, yeah. But uh, two weeks ago, we started Curbcast. So That's right. So every week we'll be reviewing uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm chronologically. Um, which is pretty cool. Uh, I've never actually seen the show, so mm. it's a new uh, adventure for me. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, it's awesome to talk about anything related to Seinfeld or yeah. Larry David. And we should be four episodes in by the time this one comes out. So, that's right. Uh, yeah. If you want to sign up, patreon.com forward slash bidwabask only for $2 US a month. That's right. Easy. And uh, if you want to support us non-financially, you can rate us and review us on uh, your podcast app of choice. Uh, and if you want to leave a review, I just said that, didn't I? You sure did. That'd be awesome. Yes, yeah. Leave us two reviews. Two reviews, yeah. That's set up not. a whole account just to leave us yeah, a second do review. It. One or, for Ivan and one for Steve. Yeah, and also. The good up, review for me yeah. and the bad review for Or, Ivan. you know, hire like a Bangladeshi computer farm. You know, get like a thousand <laughs> a people. Click farms. Pay them like a dollar each and be like, all right, everyone has to leave a review of uh, Bid Bask. A thousand yep. reviews in a day. Thousand if we, subscriptions. If we look we'll at our list. One on the charts. Yeah. If yep. we look at our listener stats and uh, all of a sudden we get a spike in downloads from Bangladesh, <laughs> uh, we know why. And if you're from Bangladesh, shout out to you. Shout out to you, yes. And shout out to all the genuine Bangladeshi listeners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Not the false paid for. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we have any. <laughs> I don't think we have any at <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah, genuine or fake. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, let's get into it, eh? Uh, yep. Seinfeld-isms. So it is the intersection of Seinfeld and reality. Now, Stephen, I haven't had anything this week, unfortunately, but what Seinfeld-related things have happened to you? Yeah, so a not a great one, but still one. Uh, I went to a music festival on the weekend. Oh, sorry, on Friday, last Friday. And uh, in the crowd, I spotted a young woman wearing a Seinfeld T-shirt. Excellent. Yeah. What, I kind, of, what kind of T-shirt was uh, it? Just the white T-shirt with the logo. Oh, we could. Yeah, I think JJ's or... Yep. Some clothing store, maybe Cotton On was selling them. Yeah, last year I think it's before. Cotton On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of those shops that just takes like pop culture logos and prints them on a t-shirt and sells them. Nice. Probably not paying copyright, <laughs> <laughs> getting in trouble. Was was she like a young girl? Or? Yeah, she looked like it, maybe early twenties or something. What so, Seinfeld? Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Yeah, she could have been wearing it. Ironically, I don't know. I didn't ask. I didn't want to be too. Uh, too curious. Yeah. Um, but I was just stoked to see a Seinfeld t-shirt regardless of who she is or why she's wearing it. Awesome. It's all good. <laughs> Excellent. Seinfeld news, mate. Do you have any articles for this week? Yeah, a slower one this week. So two news, uh, two news items. So um, a, you know, the last few years has been quite a few revivals. Mad about you. Um, there's even been a few rumors here and there. Uh, on and off about Seinfeld during a reunion. Yes. Well, we've already written season 10. So yes. Uh, go back and listen to that. So they're, they're already, Jerry and Larry, I mean, they're ready, man. They're ready to go. Call us. In the pipeline. Fly us over to the US. We keep telling you. <laughs> million bucks each will we'll work for you. Yeah. And then no we'll, we'll we'll have a, a, a you know a fault with the airline and then we'll stop in a small town and witness yeah. someone getting mugged and That's right. get put in jail. <laughs> That's it. Uh, yeah. So uh, Jason Alexander will guest uh, on an upcoming episode of the Mad About You revival. Oh, nice. Yeah. So the First bunch of episodes are already available, um, and I believe they were released a bit earlier this year. Oh, they're out now. Yeah, oh, I okay. don't know yeah, where yeah. they are available. I haven't really looked into that. Mm, yeah. uh, but the second half of the revival season comes out on December 18, so that'll okay. be out by the time you listen to this. Uh, and Jason Alexander will appear in an episode. I uh, couldn't get any details about who his character is. George. Because uh, it's yeah. in the same universe. Yeah, the that's NBC true, universe. actually. And, and Kramer's actually made an appearance on Man Yeah, Man he Man, has. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and there's been a few other crossovers. I think it was in maybe our fifth or sixth or one of our very first episodes. I went through every uh, crossover reference between Friends, Seinfeld, and Mad About You. Yeah, I think that I was for about one of 10 early minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what episode or why I did uh, it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can do a bunch of research online and you'll find, you know, how the universes are shared. Yes. Uh, yeah, so if you want to check out uh, Jason Alexander in Mad About You, uh, check out... All of the episodes, I guess, in the second half of the season, they come out next week. Oh, man, I hope he plays Costanza. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I know what a Costanza. I don't know how I'd feel about that. No, it'd be a bit no, I think it'd okay. just be a bit too, I don't know. Bit well, like I said, chip. Kramer's already been there. So yeah, I know. I don't know. It, it would just be too weird. Okay, I think. too weird. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the second bit of news is a bit of a strange one. Uh, J- uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus has obtained a restraining order against mm. a woman who... Ha, uh, who threatened her um, threatened? With, a, with a Molotov cocktail. What? How did that happen? Yeah, so according to court documents that were released through the week, uh, the woman is uh, a stranger to JLD. Okay. Uh, and she's been harassing her for months. And uh, she claims that uh, she is a homeless, unemployed writer. And a lot of her ideas were stolen by JLD and the producers of Veep and then used on the show. I went for the role of Elaine in Seinfeld and he stole yeah. it from me. <laughs> yeah. So, I should have got that role. Yeah. As well as threatening her with a Molotov cocktail, she also put a sign on her car, I'm guessing maybe in the windscreen wiper. Sure. Accusing her of stealing her intellectual property. Holy shit. Yeah. And That's full on. Yeah. And it's been going on for months. She threatened her family and JLD. <gasps> oh, my so, God. Um, yeah. She has to take out a restraining order against her. Um, and she's claimed that the uh, this this woman I I didn't catch her name. Uh, her claims are baseless, utterly baseless. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, I don't imagine. I'm sure there's a lot of like 
you know, in in a in a city like Los Angeles, where there's a lot of writers and a lot of uh, producers, I'm sure there's always like cases of ideas accidentally being sort of produced twice. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I have an idea for a script, and then all of a sudden, a TV show or movie comes out, and you're like, oh, oh my god, that's my, uh, you know, that's an idea I had. Yeah, that's right. But I think most of the cases would just be a coincidence. Yeah. And maybe 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 this woman did start writing a script or pitched a few scripts to some studio and there are a few ideas that just happen to make it to V. But I can't imagine JLD working with anyone who would like knowingly steal intellectual property from writers. But did JLD produce V? I thought she just acted in it. Uh I think was she, she had producer? she probably had some creative some input. production credit. I think maybe? she's too yeah. much of a sort of big wig. Yeah. You know, not just in acting and comedy, but just in terms of her legacy and influence to not at least have had, you know, maybe a like a mild or minor producing role. Yeah, okay. Even sure. if she's not officially credited for it, I wouldn't be surprised if she had some creative input or yeah. oversight rather than just being a, a casted actor. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, but uh yeah, so that that was a bit of a strange one. Very odd. I yeah. I have, do not know or did not know anything about that. Yeah, it wasn't really posted me. on um I've got a Seinfeld group called Seinfeldisms and uh you can check that out if you want and join the fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh and normally at least one person posts all the news items that I talk about every week. Um, you know, sometimes even multiple multiple links, but no one posted anything about this. Okay, so it kind of strange. went under the radar, and Jeez. it's pretty big news. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's pretty so, fun. Stalker with a Molotov cocktail. Yeah, Couldn't so it's sort of uh, another uh, another um, I guess part of the roller coaster that JLD has been on over the last oh. couple of years, like the highs and the lows, and the rest, and the oh, rest. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a pretty uh, pretty crazy couple of years for her. Crazy, crazy, and this just adds to it. Hopefully, this is the last event, and she just you know can. I don't know. Take it Retire easy going forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's all the Seinfeld news for the week. Very good, mate. And this is our last episode of 2019. So obviously, this is our Festivus special. So let's celebrate by talking about the Red Dot. Here's a bit of a plot synopsis: Season three, episode twelve. This one first aired in the US on December 11th, 1991. Directed by Tom Sharonis and written by Larry David. As a thank you for getting him a job at her own place of work, George wants to get Elaine a thank you gift when he sees a cashmere sweater marked down from six hundred dollars to $85, he's immediately interested. The only problem is that there's a red mark on the front which everyone can see and it annoys Elaine to no end. And God, it must be a, I think it's a really small dot. It's meant to be really small, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't even see it on camera. Yeah, but it's so noticeable though. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like they probably thought, okay, pretend that there's a red dot. They probably said to the actors, pretend that there's something there. That'd be really weird. Yeah. I mean, there's, you can't even zoom in on it or anything. It's, it's not there, but um, I guess... Yeah, it'd be easy to pretend, hmm. you know. Yeah. So, I mean, if you can pretend that Kramer is normal, pre- <laughs> pretending a red dot on a white cashmere sweater wouldn't be too much of a stretch. I, I think it can be done, yeah. I mean, they're such great actors, you know, they can figure it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, at his new workplace, meanwhile, George's tryst with the cleaning lady begins to have ramifications. Tryst. A tryst, sorry. That's what I, I was said. like. That's what I meant. Did you just mispronounce try? I think I did, <laughs> yeah. I tried. You no, tried. I, I tried. I you tried to pronounce tryst. Yes, I tried. Um, her name is Evie. She's played by Bridget Sienna. Uh, so does the fact that Elaine's boyfriend, Dick, played by David Norton, uh, falls off the wagon. On the wagon? Off the wagon? Off the wagon. <laughs> I like how George is so stoked when uh, Elaine confirms that it's actually off the wagon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, who cares? Like, <laughs> it's so petty. I know. <laughs> His life is that shit that... That that is considered a win for him. Well, anything's a win for him. Yeah, I that's guess. true. Um, Jerry mixes up the glasses on a table at an office party, and he drinks the liquor by mistake, and that causes a whole lot of problems. Uh, other secondary characters, there's only two. Uh, Richard Fancy, you might know him as Mr. Lipman. He's credited in this episode as Mr. Brickman, and it's the only time that he's called Mr. Brickman. Yeah, it's a weird uh, sort of renaming. I, I, I didn't really find out why they decided to rename him. 
I think it was a mistake, maybe. Okay. But yeah, I'm guessing it could have been a mistake on the script or... Who knows? You know, someone said Brickman on set or something and they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, it doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah, the other secondary character is the saleswoman at the Nautica. shop. At Nautica. Yes. Uh, Rachel Davies. Okay. Yes. So, anyway. You said Nautica. Is that the... I think Nautica, because that was the brand, I think, that oh, was on okay. the... Well, Nautica's it... like a... Like kind of like a Ralph Lauren-y, oh, okay. like a, yeah, 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 like yeah. a clothing brand, but like a bit upmarket. Oh, right, kind of like Nordica. Tommy Hilfiger or something like that. Yeah, I just saw Nordica, so I okay. thought oh, that might be it. Eh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, Nordica's a clothing brand, and they sell cashmere and upmarket stuff, so that yeah, makes sense. That makes perfect sense. So, a bit of trivia about the episode, Steve. Uh, so, David Norton's name um, in the film An American Werewolf in London—that's his breakout role—was Kessler. Oh, nice yeah. coincidence. So that was Kramer's name uh, before being officially named Kramer in the very first episode. That's right. Proto-Kramer. Proto-Kramer. Yeah. What other Kessler. trivia do you have? Kessler. Uh, in this episode, it's revealed that George is left-handed. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. up until then, you don't, I guess, see him use his hands. <laughs> um, I'm sure he does. Uh, off-screen. Well, he becomes I mean. a hand model. That's true. Oh, off-screen, yeah. And, uh, he's <laughs> like very last good at week. Use, he's very know. good at using his hands for the contest. Yeah, exactly. And also, like last week in the pest dispenser, That's I true. have hand and you're going to need it. <laughs> so, you know. I have left hand. I have left hand. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any other trivia? Uh, yeah. This is the only episode in the series where Jerry talks to someone during his act. Yeah. It was <laughs> kind of... It, it kind of... It, like, even though the stand-up comedy... Uh, routines, you know, going into ads and introing and outroing the show are part of real life Seinfeld. It almost feels a bit disconnected sometimes because yeah, it's so, yeah. like, you know, it's never sort of integrated into the storyline with uh, a character interacting with him. Like, maybe in the pilot uh, and then this episode as well. Um, sorry, not the pilot, the episode with the pilot. You yeah. know, the pilot who freaks out Jerry because he's in the audience. What's oh, the episode? Oh, yeah. He's like performing something to do oh, with the I think pilot. Oh, the later like, episodes. He like yeah, psychs yeah. him out. Oh, some cause, of that. Because yeah, his yeah. agent is like, the pilot's in the audience. And it's like, why would I care if the pilot's in the oh, audience? Oh, that's right. And then yeah, he sees yeah, him and yeah. he just sort of loses his concentration. It's one of the later episodes. Yeah, yeah whatever yeah, that yeah. episode is. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool that they did something that made the stand-up comedy feel a bit more connected to the actual storyline. Yeah, that kind of threw me off too. Like, yeah. I think it actually worked though. Cause yeah. I thought, because typically in that part of, you know, the first few seasons, it would, like there'd be scenes where it would intercut with his trivia. Yeah. Um, not trivia, with his um, stand-up. Mm. And then, you know, he's doing a stand-up all good and good. And then he kind of, you know, works, well, you know, he talks to someone in the crowd and I'm like, oh, yeah, he talks to Dick. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's really good. I, I don't think they've done that since. I think yeah, that's I, I think, the first and only time. I think if they did it too much, it would be, it would defeat the purpose of the stand-up, which is to, you know, intro and outro the episode yeah. and to break it up and to show Jerry being Jerry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was done tastefully and it made sense in the storyline. I thought it was done really well. Yeah. Because Dick, uh, when he first meets Jerry, it cuts back to, uh, I think when, after George is talking to Breckman about, you know, his literary. Yeah. He's like, uh, Art Vandalay. Yeah, <laughs> he's Art a beatnik Vandalay. writer. You know, what did he write? Venetian blinds. Yeah. <laughs> um, beatnik from the village. Yeah. And it, and it, <laughs> and it cuts back to him and all you see is Dick saying to Jerry, well, I think I'm funnier than you or something like yeah, that. He storms right. off. So he's obviously got a bit of a, I don't know, a thing against comedians or yeah. he's jealous of Jerry. So it, yeah, it made sense within his character in this episode. Yeah, and it's really nice to see him at the end as well in the final stand-up bit. Yeah. yeah it's good that how he's sober and he's on the wagon and yep. having coffee. It's really yeah, nice. It's good sort to of see. redeems himself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And just another thing, uh, Kramer breaks the fourth wall by doing the Hennigan's ad. He does. Yeah, he actually breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, so, that's yeah. true, actually. Yeah, I never yeah, thought of it like talks that. Talks to you. So. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, the final bit of trivia I have is that, uh, I don't know where he said this, but Jason Alexander considers the scene uh, where George reacts indifferently when he's confronted by Breckman for sleeping with uh, the cleaning lady, with Evie, as uh, the defining moment of his character. Oh. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, it is very George. Yeah. But, uh, I, I mean, I can think, maybe it's not the most popular moment of his character. Yeah. 
But um, it's strange. It, well, it's not strange, but it's it's a subjective thing, I guess. But it's not what I would pick to be the most defining moment. But um, yeah. I you mean, it's his character, so <laughs> he knows it better than anyone, he I guess. Does. You had sex with the cleaning lady on your desk. What, was that not allowed? <laughs> was that, <laughs> yeah. that wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Should I have I done mean, that? I mean, it's classic George, you know, he's, he's yeah. sort of deflecting and he's lying and yeah. he's trying to play dumb and weasel his way out of something that he's very clearly guilty of. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it doesn't seem like the most George that George is. Oh, well. Oh, well. Maybe yeah. up until this point it is. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't really matter, but it's still a very good moment amongst many. Indeed. Anyway, uh, let's take a quick break, man, and uh, let's talk about the, some secondary characters from The Red Dot. I only have two, uh, Dick and Evie the Cleaner. Yeah, that's all I've got too. All right, we'll be back. Are you looking for a brand new conversation podcast with some interesting guests? Well, you found it. My name is Ivan Pigioni, and I'm one of the voices from acclaimed Seinfeld podcast, but I don't want to be a secondary character. I'm back for season three of In Melbourne Last Week, a podcast where I speak to everyday people people who do extraordinary things from Melbourne and everywhere else. This season's themes include adversity and survival, as well as some more lighthearted topics to break it up. You can listen to In Melbourne last week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk about uh, the eponymous Dick, who's a bit of a dick. Yeah, I know. He's Dick by name, well, Dick by nature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the alcohol talking, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously got some issues. Oh, absolutely. Played by David Norton. Uh, he's most famous for starring in the 1981 horror film An American Werewolf in London. As we mentioned before the break, his character was named Kessler. Nice. His full name was David Kessler. Uh, he's also appeared in as a guest in TV shows, including The Love Boat, da, 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 da. ER, Jag, and Melrose. Place among many others. Um, I think he's got lots of similarities, Stephen, to Jason from The Apology. Oh, you know, yeah. he's a an alcoholic who's on the borderline. He's on the brink of relapsing into alcoholism, and it's very interesting how alcoholism played a big part in the episode. It was like a theme, you know, with Kramer with Hennigan's and you know the no smell, and he does that ad, and then Jerry has a shot when Elaine tries to confront him about the red dot, and you know this the alcohol played a big part in this episode. In yeah, I, yeah, I think. Um you know, alcoholism is a pretty pervasive social issue and Seinfeld doesn't often deal with, uh, you know, directly or indirectly, uh, you know, social issues. Like it never deals with sort of directly with racism or, you know, anything that you would consider um, a complex issue that affects multiple levels of society. So I think maybe for them, they took a bit of a chance and I think they dealt with it pretty well. Um, They didn't sort of make him out to be too much of an asshole, Mm -hmm. I think. Uh, but yeah, Dick, obviously a guy with a lot of problems. Oh yeah, massive. Um, I think he's a very insecure man. Because as soon as he meets Jerry, he's like, oh, so you're the guy. So he's obviously got a uh, an idea of who Jerry is already, probably just from secondhand information from Elaine. Yeah, he's I think very he's, jealous. I think he's quite jealous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think he would be very uncomfortable with the idea, um, you know, even though there's no sexual tension and Jerry and Elaine's relationship is only platonic, uh, just the idea that they used to date. Uh, would be something that he's not very comfortable with. Yeah, not very comfortable. And he's not very good at dealing with that. Yeah, the fact that, you know, Jerry's had carnal knowledge of Elaine and vice versa. That Had kind carnal of, knowledge. Oh, had you, you know. <laughs> Welcome to Bidwabask with your host, Stephen, and Dad. <laughs> <laughs> this is Year 10 Legal Studies. <laughs> the Year 10 Legal Studies podcast. Um, yeah, no, I. so I think, yeah, because the fact that they, you know, slept together, I think that, yeah, had a huge effect on, uh, on him, on Dave, on, yeah. on Dick, yeah. I think yeah. he sees any sort of reasonably successful male as a threat even if they pose no direct threat like jerry's just like yeah she's my friend and i do comedy because maybe because he feels so bad about his alcoholism and he's lost so much that he feels like anyone who isn't in a place that he is in is is a threat yeah even though even though they pose no threat and they probably just want him to be okay Mm, yeah um and i think that's a sign of him 
not really knowing how to deal with his problems. Yeah. And, you know, alcohol is the way he deals with it. Um, but, you know, even when he's sober, it's something that he's still, you know, he's still got a lot of issues. Yeah. So I think the alcohol, like him quitting drinking was probably the first step on his way to recovery, mm-hmm. but he's still got a lot of emotional and psychological and personal issues to, to deal with, namely low self-esteem, yep. jealousy. Um, seems like he's got a lot of rage in him as well. Oh, he does, yeah. Um, Even when he's drunk, he, he's carrying it in the last scene. He's carrying the Christmas tree and he's inebriated and he's ready to, you know, cause trouble. Yeah. Hmm, yeah and I think he would have felt a lot worse as well because he got fired for drinking. Um, you know, he was drunk on the job and he got the ass. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing maybe the job and, you know, Elaine for a brief period, probably the only good things in his life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just sort of sunk him down into a, into a worse hole. But like you said, at the end of the episode, he seems to be back uh, on the horse. Oh, yeah. Sorry, on the wagon. On the wagon, yeah. On the wagon. And what do you think with regards to the drinks being swapped around? Do you think, because some people say that Jerry deliberately did it just to get back at Dick, but I don't think Jerry's that malevolent to do that. No. But do you think Dick maybe deliberately got it because, you know, he was pretty keen on the drink and Elaine was trying to keep him, you know, leashed, you know, just he was she was just trying to keep him you know, not drinking and stuff and maybe he thought, oh, maybe I'll have a sip. Okay. Yeah. Do you think maybe oh, I can have a sip without actually getting wasted? Yeah. Uh, no, I just think it was an accident. It was an accident, I think it was yeah. an honest accident. Like, Jerry is petty mm. and he's not above getting revenge. Uh, but to to derail someone's life who's already in a very fragile position, I think even that's a bit too scummy for, for Jerry. Yeah, I think so too. Um, for any of the core four, really. Like, that's a very vindictive, horrible thing to do. That that's would not, be That's terrible, not just, yeah. I'm going to break up with you because you've got a weird idiosyncrasy. That's like, I'm going to ruin your life. That's already pretty fucked. Yeah. That's like, that's beyond mean. Pretty full on. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think it was just a, a, a misunderstanding. It was a misunderstanding. Yeah. And, and Lane thinks that Jerry did it. And yeah. even, even Jerry's like, why would I do that? Yeah, That's wrong. <laughs> I, I think I think that was pretty. Uh, I I don't understand why Elaine, because Elaine knows Jerry very well, mm. and Elaine's probably the most, I, I would argue, the most intelligent out of the four and the most observant. Uh, I don't think. Yeah, I I'm surprised that she accused directly Jerry of of doing that. I think Elaine really cares about Dick's problem. Yeah, I think she really cares about him in this episode. Yeah, so I that's think probably so. what it is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Elaine shows that she has a heart from time to time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I just think it was a coincidence. What about you? Uh, yeah, no, I think it was a coincidence as well. I yeah. think he just, yeah. I thought maybe he did it deliberately. You know, that was no. one theory. But no, I think it was just an accident. He, well, he wasn't looking. He was in the middle of an argument with Jerry, or it was in the tail end, I should say, of the argument, and he got the drink. Yep. And he wasn't looking. He just grabbed it. And yeah, it looked I think, like, you know, it was cranberry, cranberry and vodka. They both looked the same. Yeah. You couldn't they, tell. They were at the same volume yeah, right next right. to each other. Right next to each other, yeah. I think he might have been a bit caught up with uh, trying to, you know, deal with Jerry's presence that maybe he was a bit distracted. I think so, I think yeah. if Jerry wasn't around there, he would have been a bit more careful and gone, oh, which one's my drink? If mm-hmm. it was someone else's drink. But he was sort of caught up in Jerry being there and a bit sort of flustered, I guess. And he was having like a mano a mano Yeah, and I think he just sort of, yeah. he got a bit distracted because of that and mm-hmm. just a bit of thoughtlessness yeah. uh, got in the way and made him take the wrong drink. Absolutely. Yeah. I listened to a another Seinfeld podcast called Can't Write. They yep. just came out earlier this year. Um, They're up to a season three, actually. So they review, they do like signcasts. They review episodes yeah, like I've listened order. to a couple of their episodes. Right. Yeah, they're not bad. They're not bad. Um, so they actually recently did the Red Dot. I think they're up to the Red Dot or the Pez Dispenser. I think the Pez Dispenser is like two episodes after this. I think okay. it's either that one or another one. Yep. They're around that. Um, I listened to this one very recently, and they made a really good point because you know how Dick, he's got a really happy ending at mm. the end. He, You know, he's he's sober in Jerry's last act. They made a good point. They were saying that 
because alcoholism is such a serious issue, I think it would have been really dark to have a really bad ending for Dick. Yeah. Especially alcoholism affects lots of people. It affects the person themselves, the families, the friends. I think it's just because it's such a serious issue. I think even the writers, even Larry, when he was writing this episode, thought, oh, I can't give this guy a bad ending because alcoholism is such a serious problem. So they thought that maybe Larry thought, let's give him a good ending. He's sober. He's with, looks like he's with another woman. You know, in in the in the crowd, yep. and he's drinking coffee instead of alcohol, and it's kind of like a good ending. So yeah. him and Dick, uh, him and Jerry, kind of have like a happy. You know, they kind of have a better relationship together, and yep. uh, and Dick's back on the right track. So they thought it was probably the right thing. What would you say to that? Yeah, no, I think that's a good, um, a pretty good take. It's a good I mean, take. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I liked it. I mean, the show is inherently quite nihilistic in a way yeah. um, but you know a bit of positivity every so often you know yeah. like George and Jerry hugging that one time and yeah, you know time, a, yeah. an alcoholic sort of getting back on the on the wagon on the wagon you know yeah. a bit of a bit of uh, positivity and, and almost sitcom tropes peppered yeah. in from time to time is, yeah. is welcome definitely because having a band ending I think would have rubbed the audience that's, the wrong way yeah I think it would have been like, like even for like mad Seinfeld fans I would have been like come on man that's that's a bit much because alcoholism is such a serious problem yeah yeah Yep, definitely. And it's not like they were. Yeah, and I mean, they. I mean, I think you can portray a a person addicted to anything, and have the have a negative ending for a character, and it still be taking the issue seriously. Yeah, but I think in a comedy show like this, would have been too much. Yeah, it would have. It would have been almost. Yeah. Um, like counterintuitive to trying to treat it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, I think I think that's a good take. Yeah, it worked out really well. Yeah. And how he was integrated in two of his stand up bits. Where Jerry otherwise the stand up bits would have been separate to the whole episode. Yeah. They were actually entwined in it. Yeah, no, I yeah, I, I think um I really I it's mean really I well didn't done. like Dick as a character, but I like the way he was used in the episode. Yeah. It's yeah. really well done. Yeah. Yeah. He was a good vessel for exploring a few things and also experimenting a bit with a slightly more positive ending. Definitely. But he was a bit of a dick. <laughs> he was, yeah. Um so Evie uh, so that's the last character I have. She's the cleaning lady. She's played by Bridget Sienna. Uh, she's known for the film Rain Man, and she's been in TV shows including Grey's Anatomy and ER, and typically she's cast as a Latin American character in most projects. Mm. Yes. So I've seen her well, credits she's Latin American. Yeah, so she's Latin American. That makes yes. sense. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, so she's from Panama. She is, and uh, one day... Panama, Pan- Panamanian? Panamanian. Panamanian? Yep. Pa- Panama. Da, 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 da. Van that? Halen. The song Panama by oh, Van okay. Halen. I don't okay. really like Van Halen. Oh, okay, fair enough. I'm like Billie Eilish. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about that? Very similar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, what what happened? Oh, a couple of weeks ago, Billie Eilish in an interview, you know, she's like what, seventeen, eighteen? Yeah, she's a kid. Yeah. She was born after the millennium, right? Yeah. And fair enough, she doesn't know who Van Halen are. She might have heard the name, she doesn't know the music. But all of these like old music fans are like she claimed in an interview, she's like, oh, I don't really know who they are. I don't know anything yeah, about them. Yeah, fair enough. And all these people like got really, really upset. Like, how can you not know who Van Halen are? You should have like, known who Van Halen were yeah, when you were in the womb. Yeah. You should Like, who yeah, cares? Who cares? Most people don't know who Van Halen is. <laughs> exactly. If you, if you talk to 7 billion people on earth, I would say that more than three and a half billion people don't know who they are. Anyone aged over 30 or 40 would know who Van Halen yeah. is. But anyone under that, they probably wouldn't know. Yeah, it was it was just so strange to see so many people get so upset over someone <laughs> so that cool. they don't even listen to or care about yeah. not knowing a band that they like. It's like, who cares? Uh, people in their insecure lives. That's it. Anyway, uh, yeah, even yeah. the cleaning lady. Yeah, she is from Panama, and uh, I think she grew up in poverty by the sounds of it. She grew up in a probably a really poor village or a town and uh, struggled to get by with her family. And one day, a rich American man was wearing cashmere, and she really liked the fabric and wondered what it was and he said cashmere and then uh, eventually he pushed her on the ground and she got mistreated by him and uh, that was it and that was her experience with cashmere yeah i mean it sort of it shows the differences in uh i guess 
uh, what's the word, in privilege between Elaine, who's upset at George for being cheap about a cashmere sweater, and a woman who almost idolizes a strange man yeah. because he introduced her to cashmere. You know, the same sweater causes two rea- completely different reactions different from, reactions. you know, people with different life experiences. I'm very surprised because Evie, coming from a poor background, obviously could never afford cashmere. I thought she'd be one of those people who... If you looked at the red dot, you say, oh, look, it's only a red dot. Yeah. I'm very grateful I have cashmere. I finally have my own cashmere. I can figure it out. I can put bleach on it or I yeah. can cover it up or just somehow. Live with it. Or just live with it. It's yeah. fine. No one will notice. I, I'm surprised she wasn't even like more grateful because her like the, the the jacket and the red dot were the reason how Brickman or why Brickman found out about George and her. Yeah. She went to him. Well, her. I think yeah. I think maybe because uh, if it was any other material, I think she would have had that attitude of like, oh, it's fine. Like you know, it would be good if it didn't have a red dot, but because it does, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But she seems to have a really fixation on cashmere, and I think it was because of that experience. Mm. So I think for her, her first experience of cashmere being slightly imperfect because of the red dot, it's it's almost like bursting a bubble yeah, as opposed to yeah. being just like, oh, it's fine. You know, it's just a red dot. Yeah, I'm just really surprised. Yeah, I, I think thought she'd be really grateful. It's no. This is probably one of the weirdest sentences I've ever said, but... I think she romanticizes the idea of cashmere because of her experience in Panama. I've heard weirder. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, uh, no, in a it's vacuum. Probably, probably not the weirdest thing you've said on the podcast. Or in a vacuum. That's a very strange sentence. Yeah, but true, in the context true. of this episode, it's fine. Oh, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. cashmere specifically yeah. is something that she really has like a, a sort of is quite grandiose about. And cashmere is a really, yeah. it's really nice. Yeah. It's good to wear. I mean, you it's don't a, wear it, obviously, but uh, I don't think that, that's lamb's wool, I think. Is it I sheep's wool? No, uh, what is it? Lamb? I think, isn't it like a lamb or a goat or something? I think it's goat. Goat from India or something? I'm not sure. Cashmere. cashmere goat. Like well, cashmere is an, a region in India. In India, yeah. So, yeah, it's from an animal. From and there, it's I a Led guess. Zeppelin song. So oh, that's true. Yeah, it makes sense. That's true. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think for some reason, well, from that experience that she describes, Kashmir is sort of like on a pedestal for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So her first experience with Kashmir in America is sort of spoiled by the red dot. But yeah. I think if it was cotton or some other material, she'd just be like, eh, it's okay. Isn't it great? It doesn't how, hold a special place in her heart. Isn't it great how George uses the um uses the jacket or the cashmere as like a bargaining tool, both for Evie and for Dick in the later scenes? Yeah. He kind of uses it as like currency is like to get him out of situations. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> so good. Yeah, that's and true, every actually. time every time he gets found out. Yeah. It's like that red dot, what's that? Well, red on white, come red on, on white, like yeah, it's going to be seen. Yeah. yeah. It's like even if it's not straight away, it's yeah. going to be seen at some point. Absolutely. You know, even if Elaine didn't see it when she got it in Jerry's apartment, she would have taken it home and gone, George, that cheap <laughs> ass. But man, from 600 bucks to 85, just for one dot. Not sure. a bad deal. I'd not buy bad. It. I'd wear it. Not yeah. bad. Not bad. I'd not, wear it. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. I'd wear it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I'd wear it. Yeah. <laughs> if you, well, you can't. You don't wear it. Do well, you? if someone gifted it to me, I'd I'd be okay with that. All right, cool. You know, yeah. I just yeah. When it comes to uh, animal materials, I don't buy anything new. But secondhand stuff or gifted stuff, I'm fine with. Oh, you're pretty flexible. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got secondhand leather. Yeah, and I've got leather boots before I became a vegan. Yeah, and I'm like, well, if I don't contribute money to new leather production or new whatever production, I'm fine with that. Cool. You know, it it already exists. So me buying a secondhand leather belt is not contributing to. Uh, you know, what I'm trying to stand against, you know? Okay. Anyway, cool. yeah, maybe I'm just trying to justify <laughs> yeah, maybe. a bit of mental gymnastics. You, you'll get all the militant Dominion vegans now calling Probably. in or, you know, emailing yeah. us saying, you not a real vegan. That's all right. <laughs> Whatever. I'll just walk away in my secondhand leather boots. Yeah, why not? Right off into the sunset. Yep. But I don't want to be a cowboy. <laughs> With my cashmere sweater. <laughs> yeah, that's Sorry, it. I can't hear you over all my cashmere. <laughs> hey, what's that red dot on there, Steve? Jeez. <laughs> blood. Um, yeah, blood. Yeah. That they want to draw for me. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Yes. So, 
yeah, um, yeah. So she's yeah, she's come from poor background. Come to America, works as a cleaning lady. How do you think? I oh, know George said it was because of the Hennigans they got together. So yeah. George was drinking at his desk. He ended up having a couple of drinks, and then she had some drinks, and then one thing led to another, and then he ended up. Well, <laughs> he says she was mopping the floor with him. Yeah, that's, that's a good, uh, <laughs> oh, that's good a visual. Good line. It's a good line. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I think you know she probably. It was late uh, at night. No one else was around. Yeah, yeah. you know, everyone's got you know some desires from time to time, and mm, you know you get too. a bit drunk, and they're both single. Yeah, you know they weren't breaking any. You know, relationships, or you know, they weren't going against their partners or anything. So, no, yeah. you know, I mean, they broke. Uh, you know, it wasn't very professional. No, of course um, not. They could have easily just gone. Oh, let's go to my apartment or your apartment, or, or go something. to a hotel or something, or a hotel. Yeah. Um, but you know, sometimes impulse gets the better of you, and you just sort of throw caution to the wind, and yeah. and the know, Hennigans did it, and they had to throw some Hennigans down, and That's then throw it. throw you whoever you're with down on the table and have at them. The no smell, no hotel scotch. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I mean. Sometimes we're overcome by impulsive desire, and mm. that's fine. That's but right. Sometimes it has consequences. It sure does, like George. He didn't even last an episode at, at Pendant Publishing. No. Awesome. I can't remember. Is uh, Evie fired because of her it sexual indiscretion? Say. I guess she probably was. Okay. Nothing's mentioned. Yeah, because I yeah. figure, like, I mean, I can understand why George is fired. I mean, he's been there for, what, three days? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he, he does that. But I think it would be unfair for Evie to not be fired as well. I think Evie, pr- I think... Brickman brought Evie in into the office and then I reckon she begged to keep the job. She goes, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. And Brickman probably forgave her and said, look, you know, you're, you're from, you're an immigrant from here. You know, you're trying your best to, you know, work your way up in the world. He would have given him a leeway. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. And said, look, you know, you're a good cleaner. People say good things about you. True. You know, you know, you're cleaning the wrong thing that night, but it's fine. (laughs) So I'll only let you keep your job if you can clean the red dot off the cashmere sweater. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't work out. No. <laughs> no, definitely not. No. Yeah, uh, yeah no. That's, uh, that's all I have about any of the secondary characters. Yeah, me too. Let's take another break, and after that, we'll find out where the red dot sits in our episodes we've reviewed so far. And, and we'll talk about what we're doing for Festivus as well, because it is the Festivus special. I'm going to get right to the point. Uh, it's come to my attention that you and the cleaning woman have engaged in sexual intercourse on the desk in your office. Is that correct? Who said that? She did. Was that wrong? Should I not have done that? This is our second annual Festivus special. Last year we did the strike, but this year we're doing the red dot, or we have done the red dot. Now, Stephen, out of 111 episodes that we have done, where does the red dot sit in your list? Uh, number 72. Oh, okay, pretty yeah, low. So, yeah, it's not a bad app. Um, oh, wow, okay. I didn't dislike any of it, mm-hmm. but none of it, uh, bar a few scenes, was especially strong for me. Oh, it was wow. just mostly average all the way through for me. Oh, I was surprised. I thought it would be a bit further up. You seem no. to enjoy it. Okay. Yeah, I did enjoy it, yeah, but okay. um, nothing really stood out as great. Okay. It was mostly just good all oh. the way through. What about you? I think it's one of the best season three episodes. I really enjoyed it. Sublime, number 20. Wow. Yeah, really okay. high up on my list. Sublime. Sublime, yeah. It was just it was just so fun, um, and it's an episode that I've seen many times, and I really enjoyed it, and I love how it's just typical. It's Larry David style, you know, something out of nothing with the red dot on the jacket, and it causes so many tifts among the characters and it you know unlocks or escalates a lot of things with dick and evie and breckman and everyone else involved so i love how uh most of the plots were revolved around that one jacket yep it was great yeah it's no really well done yeah very classic yeah. larry david episode you yeah, know yeah, it's a really very tight it. it's a very yeah. tight ep. yeah really sure. enjoyed it i liked it a lot indeed uh any of the secondary characters appear in your top 20 no okay you 
Uh, no. No? Um, you haven't had a new entry for a long time. Nah. No, jeez. We, we need to pick episodes of Grumpy Old Men. I think so. Yeah. Well, I might as well read out my top 10, because it's our last episode for the year. So, my top 10 uh, secondary characters that we have reviewed so far. So, some of you might think, hey, what about this character and this character and this character? We may have not reviewed them. Who knows? Uh, or they were in the top 10, but they're out. Who knows? Uh, number 10 is Aaron the Close Talker from our The Talkers episode way back when. Uh, number 9, Newman. Number 8, Corinne from The Marine Biologist, our 100th episode. Uh, number 7 is Milos from The Comeback. Number 6 is Bookman from The Library. 5 is Susan Ross. 4 is Yev Kasim. 3 is Uncle Leo. 2, Frank Costanza. And 1, still reigning supreme, George Steinbrenner. Nice. Yeah. I don't have my list in front of me, um, and I don't remember... Uh, the order, but I can tell you that uh, Elaine's dad, Alton, is, Alton yes. is number two. Yes, and uh, oh, sorry, tied number one with Jack Lumpers. That's right. Yes, and yep. I think they'll be up there for a very long time. I think so. Unless if another curmudgeon old dude drops up. Yeah, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but yeah. um, we've still got what sixty-five-ish episodes yeah, to go. So about. there's still still yeah. a lot. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, so with Festivus, uh, what are you doing over Festivus? Uh, so for Festivus specifically, mm. uh, on the twenty-third of December, I'll be in Brisbane. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any uh, Festivus plans per se. Um, you know, I might watch The Strike on the day just oh, to sort you of should. mark the occasion. Yes, yes you should. Uh, but I'll be uh, in Brisbane, my hometown, for Christmas mm, very uh, with good. my family uh, and up on the Sunshine Coast with my girlfriend's family for a few days as well. So I think I'll be gone for about nine or ten days. Nice. Um, which will be awesome. Lots of swimming. Mm, yeah, and, it'll uh, be nice nice this time of year. Indeed. Especially. What about you? Me, uh, just staying in Melbourne, visiting relatives having lunch with them and all that kind of stuff. Just the basic kind of things. I might do feats of strength with one of my uncles. I'm not sure. See how we go. They might give me a bit of leeway because my hip, who knows? Yeah. They might let me win. Yeah. <laughs> They'll, They'll go give a bit you a, um, What do they call it in uh, golf where you've got like a... A handicap. A handicap. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, that might be not the best choice of words. <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, handicap, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'd like to mention because we do have listeners in uh, a few places in the US, uh, New York and LA. I've actually found a couple of places where they're celebrating Festivus. So I'll read out a couple. Um, so just like one or two each. Yeah. So in uh, New York, there is actually going to be a Seinfeld trivia extravaganza and the airing of grievances on Monday, the 23rd of December from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. local time. That's at the Slattery's Midtown Pub. That's on 8 East 36th Street in New York. So for our New York listeners, if you want to go there, uh, just Google it and you'll find that. So that's fun. Awesome. Yeah. And also uh, something different. There's actually going to be a 5K run in New York for Festivus, the Festivus 5K run. That's going to be at 84... Uh, hyphen 05108 Street in Jamaica in New York and that's on Sunday the 22nd of December from 5am huh. so if you want to go for a run for, on Festivus go for it hopefully no cars backfire and cause someone to false start and win oh yeah like Duncan <laughs> yeah. and Jerry yeah. <laughs> so good yeah so just uh, look I just thought I'd Google Festivus New York and see what comes up there's not as many things advertised I'm okay. surprised. I thought there'd be a lot more. I'm sure there are. Yeah. But they're I'm the sure ones there's tons of stuff. You probably just need to troll mm. beyond just doing a Google search. I'm sure if you search like Facebook events, it's probably lots. Yeah, lots. And uh, just one for our LA listeners that I found, uh, Los Angeles. Uh, over at Transplants Brewing Co., they're at 40242 La Quinta Lane, Unit 101 in Palmdale in California in the US. Uh, join them for their annual Festivus for the rest of us. There's going to be food trucks. There's going to be special Festivus-themed beer releases. The traditional Festivus poll feats of strength and airing of grievances and a donation will be made to the human fund as is tradition so there you go yes so there you go awesome so that's over at transplant brewing co in palmdale california and if you want to tell us uh, whether you're celebrating Festivus, and if so, what you want to do, you can email us, bidwabaspodcast at gmail.com. Please, we'd love to know. Yeah. yeah. 
you can uh, check us out on social media. All the details are in our show notes. You can sign up to our Patreon if you want to support us. You can get access to episodes a week early, as well as all of the bonus content we've done up until now. And uh, something we've started a few weeks ago. Uh, every week for our Patreon listeners, we are reviewing uh, Cobra Enthusiasm chronologically. That's right. You can listen to episode one for free. That's on our normal feed. But if you want to listen to episode two or beyond, uh, go to Patreon. Yep. For as little as two bucks a month, you can get all of that. And uh, I think we announced it last week or the week before we will be uh, releasing season 11 as of late January. We did season 10 early this year. Got a lot of awesome feedback and it was yeah, a whole lot sure of fun. Yeah. And uh, we have started throwing around ideas and, you know, sort of getting it all together well, right uh, for now, season 11. Right now, as of this point, uh, we've basically written the plot for episode one. Yep. And we've got five other episodes in concept right now. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, really fun. Uh, really keep fun. us really busy. That's um, something else I'll be doing over Festivus too. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's true. Yes. Uh, yeah, so check that out in late January. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah that's happy Festivus. Thanks happy for listening to us through 2019. It's probably been our biggest year so far. I think so. With so many good things have happened this year, you know, with the podcast awards and yep. the, more listeners, more feedback, more people getting in touch with us. It, it's been so good. So yeah, from the bottom of our hearts, like this started as just a hobby for us. We didn't expect to have such huge exposure like we have. So uh, yeah, no, thank you for being with us, listening, whether you've whether the red dot, this one's your first ever episode you've listened to or whether you've been with us since day one or anything in between. We really appreciate it. So thank you. Even if you, we never hear from you, we're really glad that we can uh, give you, you know some entertainment every week. Yes. Uh, I can't really say much more than that other than uh, a personal thank you from me. Uh, we get all sorts of fun sort of interactions and posts and all sorts of things from from fans of Seinfeld and Bibbass from all over the world. Um, and it's awesome. So, I mean, even if no one cared about us, we'd do it for fun. So, yeah. the fact that you do care and, uh, you know, you are happily listening every week or however, not, however often you listen, uh, it means a lot. So... Things will only get better. And yeah. in 2020, we've got some pretty pretty sweet stuff lined up. So, yeah. yeah, make sure you keep listening and, uh, you know, let us know if you have any ideas or episodes that you want to do or if you just want to tell us you love us or hate us yeah. or feel indifferent about us, whatever. Or if you want to do airing of grievances or you want to do like a virtual feats of strength, let's yep. do it. Yep. Sounds good. Indeed. Until uh, next year, thanks again for listening. I am Stephen. I'm Ivan. And we've got a couple of bonus episodes to tide you over over the Christmas, Festivus, New Year period. So, uh, yeah, more information. Just follow us or subscribe to us and uh, you'll get those episodes. You can find me on my other podcast in Melbourne last week, a conversation podcast. So uh, go and listen to my episodes. Indeed. Uh, and finally, if you want to join uh, my Seinfeld group, Seinfeldisms, just type Seinfeldisms into Seinfeld. And, uh, yeah, join in on the fun. And, uh, yeah, have a blast. Yeah, links to all those are in the show notes. Indeed. All right, we'll see you next year. Happy Festivus, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and whatever other celebration you celebrate around this time of year. Enjoy and uh, be safe, and we'll see you in 2020 for new Bimble Basque episodes. Bar humbug. It's